Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Planning for retirement is something we all should be doing, but are we doing it right? Is a 401k the proper vehicle to rely on? Where should Social Security fit in when it comes to your planning? For this conversation, we caught up with Cindy Rosen Axelrod. She is an associate professor and deputy finance department chair at Temple University's Fox School of Business. So to start, overall in American society, and I know we're painting with a a really, really big brush, how good a job do you think we have done uh, funding our retirements and pushing people in the right direction and making sure people can retire comfortably? I think it's a matter of the perspective that you put it in, you know, the context, where you look at it from. Um, What we've done by creating 401ks, um, let me step back a bit, is if you look at things, say, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, the responsibility of retirement planning was squarely on the shoulders of the company. You worked for the company from cradle to grave. And when you retired, you expected that the company would provide a pension for you. And it was one last thing that the employee had to worry about. The weight of providing for retirement was 100% on the employer. So it was something that we as individuals didn't have to worry about. It was part of our benefit package. We got a pension plan. What happened when um, these new laws and regulations came about in the late 70s and were implemented in the early 80s was we shifted the responsibility entirely from the employer onto the employee. Suddenly, Worrying about employ, uh, worrying about retirement, which is a huge expense. It's one of the biggest expenses anyone's ever going to have ever have was suddenly shifted from the shoulders of the employer to the employee. Now the employee had to worry about it. The risk that we have now and that we've had for the last several decades is that a lot of people don't effectively plan for retirement. Um, it should be something that everybody plans for. It should be something that from And I tell my students this um, in the financial planning classes and the investment management classes that I teach, that day one, when you graduate, is when you start to plan for retirement. When HR um, either emails you or I don't even know if they do it anymore, gives you a paper, you know, stack of papers to sign and whatnot and sign up for your medical benefits and all that, very deep in there is your retirement. Uh, fund. You should sign up for it. It's a really tremendous benefit. Um, most companies have something available called an employer match, meaning that they will match you a certain percentage of what you put away. If you put away 4% of your salary to go towards retirement, a lot of them will put away 3 to 4%. They'll match it dollar for dollar. So it's a um, tremendous benefit that we have. So getting back to your original question, have we done a good job? I think what we've done is we've shifted the responsibility away from the employer, away from the corporation, onto the employee to plan for their own retirement. And I firmly believe that that's a place where it should be. You should be responsible for your own retirement. Um, And employers, they offer so many options, you know, as to how you want to invest 
those funds. They offer the ability to meet with, you know, Fidelity administers the plan. You can meet with a Fidelity retirement specialist. How much should I be putting away? How much do I need to put away? This is the type of style lifestyle I envision myself having when I retire. There's lots of benefits that are available out there to the employee. It's a matter of taking advantage of them. And like I said, too, one of the key things that they should, everyone should take advantage of is you contribute to your 401k, at least up to the point where we get that 401k match. That match is essentially free money from your employer to help you with your retirement. So I think we've done a pretty good job in making this available to people um, out there. It's a matter of if people, it's a matter of do people want to take advantage of it? And sadly, a lot of employees never take advantage of that tremendous benefit for them. A lot of um, employees will do things like um, defer contributing to their 401k plan. Uh, they'll say, you know, I'm in my twenties for the first time in my life. You know, I don't want the broken down car. I don't want the um, milk crates that came from the convenience store as part of my furniture. I want to buy a nice car. I want to buy, you know, some nice furniture. I want to get a house and they defer it. The longer you defer planning for retirement, the longer it takes before you can start saving, you know, up to that, that golden amount that you need to have, Um, And you generally need about 16 to 20 times the amount that you made in your latter years um, saved to effectively live the way you want to live your current lifestyle in retirement. So that's a a lot of information I just gave you there. Now, the one thing, and this is coming from someone who has a 401k who contributes to it regularly, but there's always a nagging part of me that is concerned that what if the market tanks a year and a half before I retire and I've done my due diligence, but here beyond my control, whether it's global forces, whether it's whatever it is, that's kind of that's kind of scary. And I know I'm looking at an extreme situation, but so were people in like 2008. Like it, this stuff can happen, right? So were people at the beginning of this year too. Yeah. Um, you know, suddenly somebody required retired December 31st, you know, of, of this past year in January. Oh my gosh. You know, all of a sudden the bottom dropped out. We were down, you know, double digits at one point, the market's rallying back, but the key, the key offset to this, Matt, is that um, when you retire, um, first of all, is you retire, let's just say at age 62, age 65, age 70, whatever it may be. You're not looking at it for that year and a half. You're looking at it that till your life expectancy, which is about 85 years old. So you have a really long time period before you actually, you know, while you have to use those funds. And I can pretty much tell you that over the course, if you retire at age 62 and you're going to live to your age 85, that's a really long time period. It's You're going to have more than ample time to recover and for your funds to appreciate um, in that time period. So that year and a half, that's a really short window. When we plan for retirement, we're planning for the long term. We're not looking at things on a short-term basis. You like the idea of the individual being responsible for their retirement. Do you feel because one of the things you mentioned, the pension and pensions, you know, came of age when you like you said, you would start at the railroad at 21. You'd be there till you're 61. That is very rare. So I don't know uh, if how 
pensions would fit in today's society overall if they were as prevalent as they used to be. But uh, don't you feel employers should have some skin in the game with regards to making this a way to, you know, maybe to keep good people? Um, I think the way that they keep good people is by what I mentioned to you offering, you know, first of all, it's the total benefits package. It's one part of your benefits package. The second part is, is that they offer you a couple of things. One is they're going to match whatever amount you put in. So if you put in, you know, $5,000 a year, something like that, they're going to match you $5,000 a year. That's a pretty sweet deal there. Personally, for me, I'd also much rather be in control of how those funds are invested rather than the overall corporation, because then you have to start to look at the census of employees that are employed by the company. If you're a young person versus the overall census of the corporation, let's use your railroad as an example there. Chances are there's people that have been there 20, 30, 40 years. They're going to be investing much more conservatively than, say, a 20 or a 30-year-old employee would be investing. And quite frankly, where you want to rack up most of those investment gains is the earlier part of your um, investment career or your employment career, because then you have the benefit of compounding, that the money that you put in earlier compounds for a longer period of time till you retire. So personally, for me, I'd much rather be more in control of my retirement assets than having my employer dictate where those funds are going to be. Are they going to be invested in, you know, a bond fund that's earning three to 4% per year versus if I could be and in, in something a little more risky, but with greater return that offers six, eight, 10% per year, something along those lines and have the benefit of that compounding over, you know, the course of my employment career. One of the things that I've noticed is when you get uh, any you look into your 401k and, you know, do you want to shift your, you know, shift your, your assets around? I'm completely overwhelmed with the options and it's not just how many of them are, but what do, what do they mean? What does index fund mean against a stock? What should I have? Um, I guess my question is, should it be a little more straightforward or is it a mistake to try to, uh, present this to the average person when it should be presented to the professional uh, person who handles this. Cause that, that's one of the things I, I struggle with is it, it just, okay, that sounds good, but I honestly don't know what that means. And even if I try to look it up, I glaze over cause it's not just not my world. There's a few things that are available to you as an employee. Okay. And this is really where, like, let's use the example of, you know, you work for ABC Corporation, but they use Fidelity for their funds. Fidelity should have available to you, or someone should be available to you to um, administer what's called an investor questionnaire. And, and, you know, it doesn't even have to be on the company's website. You can just Google investor risk tolerance questionnaire. Um, and there's thousands of these on, on the web, thousands that you can find. And you take, um, a questionnaire, it's you know maybe at most 10 questions long. And it's basically, it's evaluating how you as an individual feel about risk and return. Things like, um, how long do you have to retirement? Things like, if the market went down 15%, let's use an example, you know, year to date, that kind of thing, or year to date about a month ago, um, what would you do with your funds? Would you, oh my gosh, I got to liquidate it right now. I'm done. I'm over and out, which is 
always a poor decision. You never make an investment, a uh, emotional decision with your funds. Um, would you stay the course and wait for it to rebound or would you add more money? Um, I always liken a market correction and it's just a matter of what your risk tolerance is to um, having a sale so to speak. It's a matter of if the market declines 15%, what are you going to do? And and what we tend to do as individuals, because investing is an emotional thing, is um, we tend to look at it as a really bad thing. Um, You have to look at it in in the context of there's several things going on. Do you expect this to go on forever and for the market to never stabilize or never rebound? Chances are no, that's not something. But if you were to go into, say, your favorite store, um, if you were to walk into Macy's or Bloomingdale's or um, American Eagle or Target or wherever it may be, and you saw this sweater that you had your eye on and you're like, wow, that's a really sharp looking sweater. And you didn't buy it because it's expensive or something, but you, you, the next time you go in, you're like, wow, that's 20% off. Isn't that a good thing? Then suddenly, um, you're getting, you're getting the same good for a cheaper price. So, Perhaps the way to look at that is to frame it differently and to say, okay, the market has declined by 15 or 20%, but I'm still not retiring or my life expectancy is still 20 years away. Um, I still have plenty of time and I'm going to commit more funds at this point to my retirement. But if you really need to have some more information, contact who your plan administrator is And they can more likely than not connect you with someone, you know, Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, whomever it may be um, to help you out with, you know, the subtle nuances of what's the difference between an index fund, which an index fund, by the way, what you're going to do is you're going to get market returns. If the if the stock market is up 10 percent, your fund, your retirement fund should be up 10 percent. If you blend it with a bond fund, you're going to get a certain proportion of stock returns along with bond returns, depending upon what the difference in percentage is that you allocate towards each fund. You know, generally, the more risk that you take on as an individual, meaning um, cash is the least risky asset, it's basically the risk-free asset. Then we go into bonds, then we go into stocks, and there's different strata of each of those. There's domestic, there's international, there's alternative investments, whatever it may be. But more, the more risk you take on, the greater the return you should demand. Um, and this is a conversation that you can have with whomever is your plan administrator, that they can easily help you make these decisions. And that questionnaire that I told you about just a few minutes ago, it can develop for you at least what a launching point is for a model portfolio as to how you should allocate your assets. The biggest mistake that people tend to make is that they try to time the market. Um, and by doing that, you look like a rock star when you get out of the market. And oh, look, you know, the market's down 5% now. And aren't I smart? Aren't I genius? But nobody rings the bell and tells you when to get back in the market, which is really what a lot of people did in 2008. They got out of the market and they looked great. They looked like geniuses, but they never got back in and they missed the multi digit asset increase. Um, that the markets responded when they bounced back up and kept going, they missed all that upside there. 
So um, I would tell people, you know, first contact your plan administrator um, and set up an appointment to try to understand what the differences are between those various investment vehicles. And they should be available to tell you that. Um, And, you know, take a look at those models that are developed from the investor questionnaire um, and start with that initially. Um, keep track of what your retirement assets look like. They should be sending you a quarterly, at least a quarterly um, asset allocation. And I know for me, I have access, real live access to what my retirement funds look like at any time. Um, and believe it or not, for even someone like me that I've been in the industry a really long time, and I think I'm, I'm what you'd call an expert, um, believe it or not, I have still have somebody that does my financial planning for me personally as well. So- how much should we incorporate or plan on social security not as the whole but because i feel like every 18 months there's a story that bubbles up that social security will be bankrupt in so many days and and so much of it is just a political weapon that people use to hit the other side over the head of regardless um i've actually always approached retirement being the cynic that i am just assuming there will be no social security when I retire. And if it's there, great. That's for the grandkids. I'll put that aside. You know, but I've always approached it that way. How much should we count on social security? Uh, and how would you approach kind of plugging it into your retirement uh, puzzle? Um, it's a piece of your retirement puzzle. I mean, you know, I've heard since the day that I started you know, working when I graduated from college, oh, social security is not going to be around when you, when you need it, you know, and that was over 40 years ago at this point. Um, I look at it, it's kind of like the, the, the whipped cream and the cherry on the top, so to speak. I've never planned for my retirement to incorporate social security. Um, now that I'm edging closer and closer towards it, um, I'm like, wow, that's a really nice benefit. It looks like it is going to be around, but I've never incorporated that as part of my planning. Um, I look at it that it's, it's, it's an extra. Um, and, you know, as I contributed to my 401k plan, which, um, like I told you, you know, I've, I've contributed to that since the time I was 21 years old and graduated from college. Um, it's a nice nest egg at this point, but social security is something that it's an extra. Um, And I'm really glad that it's going to be around. That's tremendous, but I never planned for it. Um, And I I don't tell people to plan for it either. It's just kind of an extra that's there. It's, It's a nice little added benefit. And if I'm correct, the longer you wait to collect social security, the more it uh, the more you would get. So would it, in most cases, if you're able, obviously, I know this is under the perfect circumstances, push that off as long as you can. That's the rule. Push it off as long as you can, because the longer you wait to collect it, the more it accumulates. They have to pay you out over you know a certain lifespan and whatnot so that you get a greater amount because it's com- over a compressed period of time. We've talked about a lot of different things. Is there anything you would like to see improved in a perfect world if you had the power to kind of put something together when it comes to retirement? Is there a way we approach it that maybe we're not doing good enough kind of once again, painting with broad strokes, but overall or uh, anything like that things you think we could do better? I think what 
people need to um, do better or need to consider is the little bumps in the road that might happen along the way from, you know, your, your work-life expectancy from the time you're 21 to the time you're, let's just use 65 as an example, you know, what happens along the way there? Do you change jobs? Do you change industries? Um, People automatically assume that the more they travel through their work-life history, that their salary is going to increase. Do they, you know, does it take a, you know, do you switch careers? So maybe your salary is lower. Um, Maybe you don't contribute as much to your 401k as you thought you would. And what I would say is that it's, it's the more information you have, the better armed you are to perhaps have um, information of, you know, like almost like a Monte Carlo sim- simulation. What if I change my contribution amount from 5% down to 3%? How does that change everything? If my salary drops from 100,000 to 75,000 and I keep that percentage at the same, how does that change in my accumulation? What are our assumptions and how do they change it? How about if market returns instead of them being six to eight? to 10% per year, probably I would focus more on the 8% per year. What if they're four or 5% per year? What if they're 15%, which is unrealistic, but what are the, what are the variables that that can change, you know, to, to change, um, to put some pressure on those levers there on the assumptions to figure out how much you're going to have at the end of the day, when you ultimately retire. I think that's what we need to do a better job on. I think we need to do a better job on telling people how much they really need to have saved. Um, And don't forget too, that retirement, you know, your 401k plan, your IRA, whatever it may be, those accounts are only part of what you're going to live off of when you retire. It's your, you know, your savings account, Yes, social security is a part of that, you know, um, but it's really the the thing that an individual has the most control over is A, what they contribute to that 401k plan and also how much they save outside of those retirement assets. You know, what are what are their other savings look like? What does their real estate look like? Um, what is their what they have in the brokerage account that's separate from their retirement and whatnot? But to do a Monte Carlo simulation that that changes the assumptions that you have available to you to figure out how much you you will have ultimately and also advising people how much they need to have when they retire to maintain the same type of lifestyle maybe you're not going to maintain this same type of lifestyle you know when we retire let's let's face it we have a lot um we have very different expenses than while we're in the working world you know you don't have transportation costs you don't have um you know the world keeps getting more and more casual so to speak but you don't have your work clothes and then your weekend clothes um but the flip side of that is your healthcare costs are going way up because as we age our healthcare consumption goes way up so i would like to see more transparency on what changing those variables are so that people are are more aware of of what how those things can affect them that's it for this episode of kyw news radio in depth you can listen to the podcast free anytime on the odyssey app and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows i'm matt leon and we'll have another episode out soon